Welcome to Wrestling With Attitude. I'm, I'm your uh, host, Little Steven, with the Summit, and we've got a special guest on today, Ring of Honor, play-by-play, uh, Ian Riccoboni. Riccoboni, how you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. I, I couldn't be better right now. You know, Ring of Honor's announced the War of the Worlds UK tour. We're coming to, to Concord, North Carolina, uh, coming up on, on Saturday, July 29th. So, I mean, the matches that have been announced for Concord and then the War of the Worlds tour, um, it's just got me really excited about where Ring of Honor is and where we're going. Awesome. Welcome to the show. I heard you were a big Phillies fan. Uh, is that right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I, had, I had written for a website called philliesnation.com and uh, I had, you know, I was a credentialed writer, uh, covered the Reading Phillies, the Leah Valley Iron Pigs, and uh, of course the Phillies. So through that, I was able to even put out a book, The 100 Greatest Phillies. So definitely huge, huge Phillies fan. So Summit, are you I, okay? Can we still I, do this interview? I, I think I'll be all right. I'm a Dodgers <laughs> okay. fan. So. Ah, all right. <laughs> I, think, I think we'd be okay. But my... We loved Iron Pigs. We loved the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. We do. I, I like them. They're pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much has Kevin Kelly helped you since you've been with Ring of Honor? I wanted to ask you that question. Absolutely. So Kevin's been a, a friend and a mentor, and he, he's really been instrumental in, in helping me get where I am right now. Um, when I first came in, Kevin had, had said, hey, we can't promise you anything. Uh, but we're looking to start up things like Future of Honor and Women of Honor, and we need we'd like a different voice for it. We'd like somebody to to come in and, and differentiate the products so that they could stand on their own. And so Kevin was really instrumental in bringing me in. We met at a camp at the Monster Factory that he did, and it was something where um, you know he took an interest in, in developing me. And, uh, and a liking to me. And over time, we've become really great friends. And so what a lot of people don't know is that Kevin would actually, um, on the shows that I would call, the matches I would call, he would review them and, and he'd give me pointers and, and he'd call me and we'd talk for hours at a time. And we still do. And, you know, Kevin's just been a, a great influence and, and somebody that's really uh, been influential in kind of shaping who I am as a broadcaster and, and definitely as a person as well. So um, he's somebody that has really paid it forward in terms of, you know, helping some wrestlers in developing uh, characters and, and speaking skills, but also really influential in getting me where I need to be so that uh, when the time was right, uh, Ring of Honor felt comfortable putting me in the, in the lead announce role. So would you say that Kevin really kind of helped um, influence at least your wrestling career in broadcasting? Absolutely, yeah. I would say that in in a number of ways, whether it is just things I had never considered um, mm-hmm. during wrestling matches, or um, you know things I'd never considered just as a broadcaster. You know, uh, despite being a working professional that that had been required to wear a suit, um, you know, Kevin told me simple things as, "Hey, you should always just t- button the the top button of your suit jacket." <laughs> and, you know, just <laughs> simple things like that. Yeah, it makes you look and, better. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like how to tie a Windsor knot. So, like, <laughs> there, you know, there are things that go beyond just just what we talked about in wrestling. So, um, I definitely look, you know, still look up to him. Uh, he's just been killing it with the G One tournament, and he's just been doing an excellent job for uh, New Japan World. So, I, I don't think our paths will ever stop inter, you know, intersecting, especially with the relationship with Ring of Honor and New Japan. Um, and we still keep in touch quite a bit, and. 
I, I really think that, you know, even with as much effort as I put in and, and as much time and energy Ring of Honor has put in, including a lot of the producers, our director, Mark Brown, um, our editors, uh, that I wouldn't be in the position I am right now hadn't it been for a lot of the influence that, that Kevin and the guidance that Kevin has provided. Now, you're from Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, who was your influence to become a broadcaster? Oh, that's a great question. So, um, of course, I'm from the eastern side of the state. So, uh, from the Philadelphia area, I grew up in a in a place called Allentown, which is actually where the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs are from. And and so, the the big influences for me uh, were Harry Callis, who was the voice of the Phillies for a number of years. I think from 1972 until he passed away in 2009. And Harry was just. He, he was able to paint pictures, and he was able to, despite it being radio, uh, he was able to time his words to get maximum impact. And he wasn't a guy that, that spoke just to speak. And he had this nice, deep, baritone, soothing voice. So I really liked Harry Callis. It, it really felt like you were in the ballpark and uh, brings back a lot of great memories. In fact, I liked him so much that when I was... My family had moved uh, while I was in college temporarily to Florida, and I had written Harry Callis a letter just explaining that I was going to college to, for broadcasting and, um, you know, hope to be a play-by-play person. And he actually wrote me back. And wow. This, yeah, <laughs> this, was, this was in 2006. And so here, here I am, you know, a college student, and I wrote Harry Callis for advice. And he actually gave me advice. He said, always do your homework and be yourself. Those are the two keys to broadcast. And I have the, the signed letter on my wall to this day. And it's, it's something that I, I look at and I'm inspired by. Uh, but Philadelphia has had just a, a number of great announcers. Uh, right now, I really like, there's a guy, uh, there's a guy, Tom McGinnis, who's the Sixers radio play-by-play guy. Uh, he's just fantastic. I really like him. Uh, there's Coatsy, who's a broadcaster for the Flyers. Uh, Jim Jackson is a really unsung Philadelphia guy. He does Philly stuff and Flyers stuff. Um, so I really like them. And there's a, a Duke guy, a North Carolina guy, Ala Abdunabi. Oh, wow. who, yeah, who's who's a great color analyst for the Sixers. We just got him two years ago. So, you know, those are the guys that I really like right now. And Growing up wrestling, uh, Tony Schiavone, believe it or not, was my favorite. And I'm not just saying that because I know I'm talking to, to Carolina guys. <laughs> uh, Tony, who I had the pleasure of meeting, uh, just a very generous, gracious man, um, was always somebody that I heard. Um, you know, growing up in Allentown, a lot of people don't realize that's where the Philadelphia and New York media markets intersect. Yep. Um, so it's the 39th biggest media market on its own. But we'd also get television from New York and Philly. And back in the day where everybody had an antenna and cable wasn't as big as it is now, we would get, you know, we'd get broadcast from Philly and New York. So that meant we got just about every available wrestling uh, that was out there. If you included, uh, you know, the broadcast stuff and what was available on cable, because we were able, we were fortunate enough to have cable in those days as well. So Tony Schiavone was really the guy that I looked up to wrestling wise. Okay, cool. uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got. I mean, when you think of Tony Schiavone, I mean, he has such a historic past just here in Charlotte. I mean, first starting with the Charlotte O's, doing everything with the Crockett's. 
I mean, because when you talk about that, um, you know, uh, uh, Philadelphia and New York kind of uh, market, you know, we had the Charlotte to Atlanta market down here of like, you know, that's where, you know, a um, where all the uh, Mid-South wrestling and everything kind of started. All the Crockett promotions started down here. So it was the same for us. I mean, growing up, I mean, WCW was, you know, huge down here. <laughs> Right. So, oh, I, oh, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and Tony's still doing minor league baseball games. Of oh, course, yeah. For the Gwinnett Braves. He was mm-hmm. just in Charlotte last week. So it's always great to see him at the games and call the games. So I know that was fun. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I read that your mother used to take you to professional wrestling events when you were younger in Pennsylvania. Uh, what matches do you remember the most growing up from that time? Oh, geez. I remember a lot of them like they were yesterday. Oh, wow. um, the, yeah, the the first one I ever went to, I believe it was July 6th or July 5th, it was right around the 4th of July, 1994, and it was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is a part of the Lehigh Valley. It's Allentown's sister city, and it was at Lehigh University Stabler Arena. It was a WWF Superstars taping, and <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, <laughs> just being there, the excitement. Um, I remember it was a really long night. And I remember kind of being in shock that one of the matches was a tag team match. And one of the teams was Jim Powers and Ray Rougeau, which was kind of, (laughs) for whatever reason, that has really stood out to me over the years. So, um, but some of the big, you know, one of my favorite matches I ever saw uh, live was Shawn Michaels versus Goldust at Cable Arena. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was a match that, you know, they really didn't do on television, and they really didn't do on pay-per-view, so it was kind of neat to see that live, um, you know, and if the the first live event I went to had uh, had some cool matches as well, and I remember Tatanka and, and IRS, I remember getting the foam um <laughs> the, 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 the foam uh, weapon, yeah. uh, so that was pretty cool, and, uh, but you know, I was always really lucky. Um, that was the first event I remember going to. My my mom had taken me to some events at the Allentown Fairgrounds. I remember the only thing I remember is being amazed by the cage, uh, the Mountie <laughs> versus the Big Boss Man. Oh, and man. just being yeah, just being blown away by this this big steel cage, the big blue steel cage. Yeah, oh, you bet. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, <laughs> that's an iconic one. Yeah, and you know, and then of course we ended up getting some WCW later. And uh, I remember seeing the main event, I believe, was Brian Adams and Kurt Henning versus uh, Ric Flair and Steve McMichael. So we got some interesting stuff in Allentown, some off-the-beaten-path stuff uh, that was definitely definitely memorable. But, yeah, my mom, I, I think to this day, you know, she was always a ravishing Rick Rude fan. But <laughs> I don't think she hated seeing, uh, you know, seeing these young, muscular guys. Uh, running around, <laughs> you know, thinking back to it. So, so your mom was probably a huge wrestling fan, right? You know, she she indulged it, um, which was nice. Like she always, you know, she knew when it was, and she knew how to make sure it was on the TV for me, and she knew that I really liked it. So, you know, I, I'd get the toys and the magazines and things like that. And, you know, she was somebody that just kind of kind of supported it. Hey, my kid's into this, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make it available <laughs> kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, so saying that, how did you get your mother to take you to these events? I mean, since she wasn't really a fan, but kind of. 
Yeah, I, I, so I would just, you know, from the minute they would announce the events and, and especially where we live, the WWF had, had a really good ground game and they had good promotion on radio stations and they had really good promotion on TV. And I remember, um, at, we had a supermarket chain called Lane Co that was bought out by giant. And I remember at Lane Co, whenever there was an event about two months in advance, sure enough, there'd be a big 16 by 24 poster uh, of that event and what the main events were. So, you know, a couple that stand out, we had a um, Lex Luger versus Crush one that I remember seeing. We had a uh, Owen Hart versus Bret Hart one that always stood out. I, I, there was even a Mabel versus Yokozuna one that advertised <laughs> one of the, the events. So, you know, they had a really, really good ground game. So I think it was just attrition because it wasn't until I was about maybe 10 or 11 years old, like 97, 98, where we ever got advanced tickets. Um, and we started to have to because the events started to get really hot around then. But um, leading up to the ones in 94 or 95, it was just me me bugging her <laughs> just until she she relented okay yeah no you know no i mean because see my mom is the same way like she's not really a wrestling fan but she knew i kind of grew up being a wrestling fan so she had to you know kind of get you know she she indulged it but she didn't she would never say she was a wrestling fan so <laughs> see, it's different. Right. mama my grandmother actually enjoyed watching it with yeah me. She would cuss out Ric Flair or whatever while I'm watching it, so I had to tell her to calm down. So, uh, also, I, re- I read that you also uh, you made your return to TV when you were the lead singer for a house band named Hump Night with Chris Fried on Service Electric TV while at Penn. All right, you got to tell me about this. Did, what so. did that did that experience help you at all to be on TV today? And do you? Have oh, it sure did. Yeah, oh, it sure did. Um, so the the TV show was Hump Night with Chris Freed, and it was on Service Electric, and our band was called the Knights of the Standing O. Uh, <laughs> but what we what really really helped was Chris was really dedicated, and he's still a stand up comedian, and uh, he's been everywhere. He's had some some spots on on big shows and been big festivals, and uh, he's kind of a comedy guy on Fox News. Uh, you know, it, you know what? Regardless of your opinion, you know he's he's getting out there. He's doing it, and and he's you know being a good uh, you know he's a broken comedian. But this was his this was his brainchild, and he had really wanted to be a stand up and still you know still trying to make it big big. Um, just released his first album, but one of the things he wanted to do was cr- kind of create a show and create an environment where he could teach himself uh, a lot of the uh, ins and outs of TV. And he had interned at Conan O'Brien and he interned at Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So he wanted to do something to kind of showcase himself. So he put it together and we aired every Wednesday. And uh, I think we only lasted about 12 shows, but I really learned a lot about production, about editing, uh, about cutting different different camera angles, um, booking guests, which was an un- uh, kind of an unfortunate reality in some cases. Yeah. But which is yeah. But one of the cool things that we did, um, Chris is also a huge wrestling fan. At one point, he was a moderator for WWE social media, and what he did was. Uh, he made a partnership with the Wild Samoans Training Center. And so he actually had a match with a former WWE developmental guy named Matt Walsh on the show. 
Oh yeah. And one of the guys that that came with to help set up the ring and and to have a kind of a pre-show match before the cameras were rolling uh, was a guy named Adam Cole. So it was kind of crazy. Wow. That yeah, you know, in 2010, wow. uh, former Ring of Honor, three-time Ring of Honor champion. I was right there, and that's the first time we had met. And you know, I, I remember meeting him, and I think he remembers meeting me, and we both remember being there. But um, it, it's funny that that's kind of where that led to, and um, that led to me meeting with Service Electric and meeting with the Phillies Nation folks. It's amazing how things come around. You know, you saw Adam Cole there, and now seven years later, you two are working together basically for Ring of Honor. Uh, it's just amazing how it comes back for a circle. Absolutely. And, you know, that led, you know, knowing the service electric post led to getting the Phillies nation video blog on the air. And that led to getting us to Comcast Sportsnet, which led to me meeting the blue meanie at the monster factory, which led to me getting into wrestling, which led to me meeting Kevin Kelly. And yeah, if it wasn't for that show, I don't know if I'd be in ring of honor right now. Now I have to ask you, and since you said all this, is Ring of Honor going to have you play anything in Concord July 29th? <laughs> I wish. I, I still keep pretty sharp on the guitar and on bass. And uh, I, I really, you know, I'd love to bring my guitar and, and do an open mic somewhere. <laughs> or, uh, I, you know, I'm going, I'm throwing out the first pitch at the Charlotte Knights game the night before on Friday, July oh, yeah, 28th. Yeah. So... You know, maybe I'll bring my guitar there. Maybe they'll let me play something too. I I don't know. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know Tommy. He'll I'll, I'll talk to Tommy for you. He's <laughs> he's one of the guys there. So, um, awesome. <laughs> so if you're just joining us, we're talking to uh, Ian Riccoboni, uh, the voice. I'm just gonna say the voice of Ring of yeah. Honor. Let's just. I'm just gonna say that because <laughs> I I really feel like I've I've watched a lot of um, uh, I've been watching a lot of Ring of Honor lately, and you know. You, you're always the guy that, you know, comes on and introduces everything. And, you know, that, that to me is the voice of whatever wrestling promotion you are. That's the person that sticks in my head of like, okay, so this is the guy that's going to tell me what's going on. I appreciate that. You know, I, I try to reserve that for Bobby Cruz because um, <laughs> he's been with us since 2004. Yeah. But, uh, but I'll, you know, I'll take it. Just don't tell Bobby. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so let let's get into a little bit of uh, Ring of Honor. I really want to um, I want to hype this up for July for July twenty ninth. Um, you know, um, tell us though uh, before we get there, what was it like um, when you when you started Ring of Honor at Future of Honor two in July two thousand fourteen? What was that like? What what was that experience? Oh, it was crazy. Um, I had just had my formal audition at the Ring of Honor tryout camp the day before and and that morning. So. Um, we had had a trial camp and seminar. Um, that was the camp that Donovan Dijak was discovered at the camp that Dalton Castle was discovered at. Um, a couple other guys that ended up being on TV as well. Punishment Martinez was there. Um, that was his very first camp. So a lot of guys that became ring of honor regulars, uh, including myself were actually at that tryout camp and seminar. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, but, from there, from that second day, we, we packed up and we, we hauled it down to Laurel, Delaware. And, you know, our producer had said, hey, anybody that's uh, at the camp today and, and doesn't have any obligations, you're welcome to come down and help out in Laurel, Delaware. And, you know, I just I called my wife and I said, hey, I'm going to go down to Delaware. Um, had a really good camp and 
I'm thinking maybe we can, you know, maybe we can work something out here in Delaware. I might get a shot. So um, that was the first time I was I was with ROH. And um, what I ended up doing, I did a little bit of ring announcing. I did a little bit of shtick. Uh, we had had Moose and Dijak uh, broke the ring at one point. So <laughs> we uh, we ran into some difficulty there, but uh, during that, me and, and Larry Mercer entertained the crowd a little bit, and so it was it was fun. I got to be out in front of a, a crowd. I actually did the commentary and post production later, uh, but that was a fun night. You know, that was a night. That was the first time I was kind of at an event as part of Ring of Honor. Um, the next time I was with them was was August and philadelphia of 2014 and they said hey you know we'd like you to do the future of honor stuff in post-production and we'd like you to call any future of honor future future of honor matches i said that was great um but then things kind of went dormant for a little bit and i didn't call my first match or my next match until january 2015 in nashville and i had driven myself down to nashville and from the philadelphia area and I uh, got an opportunity there, and you know, I, I figured they couldn't use me if I wasn't there. So on my own time, I started getting to all the different shows, whether that was Las Vegas or San Antonio or um, Baltimore, which is an easy one, but still, um, and then Toronto we drove to. So you know, for me, I, I just had this instinct to get get to different places just to get reps. And it, it turned out to be a good bet. It's always good to bet on yourself. So, you know, that's, but in Laurel, Delaware, it was, it was nerve wracking, you know, so I was, even though I was just sitting ringside as, as the timekeeper primarily, uh, it was still, still very, very nerve wracking. Now, do you still remember, I guess you remember your first match then. Uh, do you remember who it was that uh, was facing each other? Absolutely. In uh, in Ring of Honor at the uh, TV taping we did in Nashville, it was Chris LaRusso, who's a, a Pittsburgh independent guy who was in the mm-hmm. top prospect tournament this year, uh, versus Cheeseburger. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a great great way to break in, great way to get uh, oh, yeah. my feet wet. That's a good match to call. Uh, last week we had Deanna on the show. And uh, tell us what you think of her in the ring, uh, outside the ring. She is, I mean, she was on the show and she's great. Uh, when we had her on. Absolutely. Deanna is perhaps the best technical women's wrestler in the world right now. And I, I say that with all due respect for just about everybody else. And Deanna is the hardest working person I've ever met. Um, Deanna wrestled in, I think, 36 states, wrestled over 100 matches as an independent wrestler in 2015. Um, she matched or exceeded both of those totals in 2016. Um, and she's really carved her own way and, and made her own way in, in professional wrestling. And, you know, I think the world of her, I think if there was ever a, a women of honor championship, which I think is a, a sooner rather than later. And I think it's a, a when, not an if, um, I think Deanna Prazo has, has all the tools to be the first women's champion. And, um, just about, about her outside the ring, uh, just epitome of class. Uh, she's somebody that's the first one in the gym, the last one out, twice a day. Um, she's somebody that that hustles, that gets to where they need to be when they need to be there. And you know, she's always just she, her ears are open, ready to learn. Um, but also, she's not afraid to be a leader either. You know, she's she's still very very young, um, and she and it's amazing where she's at for the experience level she's at. She's one of the very best. 
uh, technical women's wrestlers in the world right now. Yeah, just listening to her last week, like she was very, um, very humble and very just like she really wants to do more. You know, she just really sounds like she's she she's I, I feel like in the next five years, we're going to see a lot more of her. I would definitely think so. You know, I, I would say, you know, I, I'm hoping uh, there will come a time when uh, Ring of Honor will have ample time to showcase um, mm-hmm. the Deanna Prazos, the Kelly Kleins, the Karen Q's, yeah. um, even, you know, even the stardom folks, uh, Chris Wolf, but then, you know, our, our homegrown talent like Mandy Leone and someone like Sumi Sakai that's been around Ring of Honor almost since day one, you know, <laughs> Sumi's been around since 2002. So um, I'm hoping someday maybe Ring of Honor's television show will expand mm-hmm. and we'll get a, we'll get a nice platform for, uh, you know, more talent, including women, uh, to be showcased. I think right now, though, it, it's pretty amazing what they've done as a brand. Oh, um, yeah. These, you know, these women just all the effort and hard work, um, you know, and for the literal millions of views on YouTube for Women of Honor Wednesday. Um, I say it in commentary. We have over 100 countries that watch Women of Honor. Mm. Uh, people wow. from 100 countries watch Women of Honor. So it's, it's crazy. It's something that's yeah. big all around the globe. And um, in two weeks, we're going to have a Women of Honor special, the third one. And it's a huge main event. It's Kelly Klein, Deanna Perrazzo, and Karen Q uh, in a triple threat. So it should be awesome. That, yeah, mm. that sounds good. Um, well, since we're talking about this, um, you know, I, I've, I've always wanted to ask this, especially for a, a commentator as yourself, someone that is in the broadcasting, um, that actually gets to see the matches up close. Who do you think is the breakout superstar of Ring of Honor right now? Oh, my goodness. I, there are so many people I'd put on that list. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't even want to narrow it down. I think I, I think you got to start at the top. I think Cody has exceeded all expectations, and the bar was set really, really high. Um, he's a guy with an incredible pedigree, one that's not found or duplicated um, by anybody besides, you know, maybe Charlotte Flair. Uh, it's oh, just wow. <laughs> he, he's somebody that... He's somebody that came in with high expectations, and you can look at the T-shirt sales, the box office gates, the ratings, the pay-per-view buy rates. Um, Cody is delivering, and, and then some. So I think even though everybody knows who Cody is, I think there's still an element where he's the breakout star. Um, but if I had to go on somebody that might be a little less established, I think Deanna Perrazzo is a great pick. Okay. But oh, I, Okay. Yeah, but I, I also think, um, you know, we have a couple guys that are newer in their careers, like Jay White. Um, oh. We have guys that are newer to American fans, like Marty Skrull and Will Ospreay. I think those guys are great. Okay. Um, I really think, though, in in five to ten years, um, there's a couple guys that will be in that world title picture that we have in our roster right now. And I think TK Ryan's one of them. And I think LSG. Shaheem Ali and Kenny King are, are all poised to have really big breakout years. TK yeah. when he returns from injury. It's, uh, Kenny King, especially, I see that happening. <laughs> yeah, you know he's he's got a newfound focus. You know he's uh, you can say he's lost the rose. Uh, you can say you know you can use any any kind of way to, to frame that. But he's a guy that. Um, has always been a great tag team wrestler and he's he's hitting the peak of his physical career right now and you know he's just a guy that he has his priorities in check in terms of we saw it on the bachelorette with his daughter and that really motivates him and and that's not shtick that's genuine and i think kenny (laughs) 
could be a guy that, that could really climb the ladder again pretty fast here in Ring of Honor. Well, I guess the Bachelorette will do that to you. So, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad he's back and he's doing that. Uh, I want to ask you, what is your favorite match that you have called so far to date? Oh, you know, that list is long, too. Um, I, think, I think I'll go with the obvious, the obvious to, choice to me um, was the ladder match between the, the Young Bucks and the Hardys that saw essentially the, the Hardys passing the torch to the Young Bucks. I think we saw two of the greatest tag teams ever uh, have a great match uh, in Lakeland, Florida, in front of the biggest crowd in Ring of Honor history. Um, but I also, you know, for me, um, this is going to be a weird choice, but I'll go back to, to Kenny King and Jay White. It was the first time on pay-per-view that I was kind of in that lead role in that driver's seat. And, I, you know, Colt, Kevin and I had, had a couple real fun moments in that first match and got nice and loose, and we had a, a really nice pay-per-view broadcast. So, you know, that, that one will always stick out to me. Um, my very first pay-per-view match was, was in North Carolina. It was in Concord. It was BJ Whitmer versus Steve Carino, Fight Without Honor. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, which that will always be my favorite. Um, but I think a match that I really enjoyed that I think less people saw than they probably should have was a match between Jay Briscoe and Roderick Strong. It was in Ooh. Columbus, Ohio, and it was probably one of the most intense matches I've ever seen. And it's out there. It was on the road to best in the world, 2016 from Columbus. And it is a knockdown drag out fight. And I encourage anybody that hasn't seen that uh, to, to take a look because it's probably the most overlooked ring of honor match. I, I think we've had in at least 2016, if not, if not maybe 10 or 15 years. <laughs> cool. Uh, talking to uh, Ian Riccoboni, um, Ring of Honor play-by-play. Speaking of play-by-play, I want to ask you, what what is your chemistry with Colt Cabana? Oh, geez, Colt, you know, he is... (laughs) I love working with Colt Cabana. He's probably the funniest person I've ever met. Um, He's also incredibly smart, and (laughs) his his head functions uh, like an encyclopedia. He will pull out names, dates, times, places... um, everything and not only that but he's got an incredible knowledge of wrestling from around the world um you know when guys like marty and and will are in there from the uk he can recall you know not just nigel not just doug williams but other great uk wrestlers uh that have really perfected their craft and you know one of the things that really impressed me was when we were uh, calling jay white versus will osprey at war of the worlds uh pay-per-view in new york he recited offhand a list of New Japan and Japanese competitors that had successful excursions, including and limited to, not limited to, the great Muda, uh, Jushin Liger, where they had their excursions, when they had them, and just in their identities at that time. And it was just amazing. That's insane. Um, That's just yeah. insane. <laughs> and, you know, just that the knowledge base. And I also like that Colt. Um, when you talk about chemistry, Colt and I seem to have a, always seem to keep it loose and we seem to keep it light. Um, but I think the thing I like most about Colt is that we both, uh, can snap into, uh, we can both snap into things when things get serious and we both know when, uh, when it's time for, for the big time matchup or when things get heated. And so 
I really like I really like working with Colt a lot. He's been my favorite partner, and and I've had many. I think I've had seventeen or eighteen. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's uh, he's been really really great to work with. I think the chemistry will improve over time. Um, but the thing that I really hope uh, comes through and connects with is I really want it for for Colt and myself to be having a conversation with not just each other, but the Ring of Honor fans. So I hope the fans that are watching kind of feel that too, because you know that's who we're really trying to connect with. Now, when we come out, you know, to Ring of Honor in Concord on July 29th, we're going to hope that you're in the ring singing the song at least <laughs> once. But what, besides that, what can the fans of Ring of Honor, any wrestling, come out on the 29th and expect from Ring of Honor that night? Oh, it's going to be a great night. I mean, we already have a ton of matches signed. Um, you know, we talked about Deanna Perrazzo earlier, huge one-on-one match with Kelly Klein. That was just announced Ooh. today. Yeah, this is the first time they're meeting since uh, the huge Supercard of Honor event in Lakeland where Deanna tapped out Kelly, but the referee Paul Turner's back was turned. But also, you know, there's something for everybody. And, you know, it, there's the expression that, that wrestling wrestling's like ice cream and there's many different flavors. So, you know, if you like the Bullet Club, Cody, Adam Page, Marty Skrull, they're going to be there. They're going to be facing Bully Ray and the Briscoes. I, I think that's going to be a, a just an out-and-out fight. The television championship, you're going to see Kushida or Jay White, whoever wins this week on TV, uh, go against Kenny King, which might be a bit of a, a technical match. And then the tag team championships, the Young Bucks, who are just the hottest thing in the world right now, featured on Rolling Stone. They had that nice 15-minute mini-documentary which was kind of crazy to hear my voice on, but um, they're going to be facing the Motor City Machine Guns only the third time that's happened in a two-on-two scenario. And, you know, the Machine Guns, they've held a lot of championships, but they've never held the Ring of Honor World Tag Team title. So that's going to be incredible. Um, you know, some of the guys that I I, I kind of came in, broke into wrestling with at the Monster Factory, LSG and Shaheem Ali, uh, they're going to be facing best friends and what should be a really athletic contest, you know, and the list just goes on and on. Um, it's going to be a great night. I, I think there's, there's really nothing like being at ring of honor live. There's different energy. There's a different feeling. Um, there's streamers, there's people, uh, you know, fans just let themselves go. And, and when the fans let themselves go, the wrestlers let themselves go. And it's just <laughs> this amazing display of athleticism and, you know, energy that, you really have to be there live to experience. So while this will be airing, uh, this is a national television taping. It, there's such an incredible difference uh, of being there live at Ring of Honor versus watching it on TV. And if the television product is great, which I happen to think it is, um, just imagine what that says about being being in the stands for it. Oh, yeah. We're looking forward to it. Well, um uh, Ian Riccoboni with uh, Ring of Honor play-by-play guy. Go see them July 29th here in Charlotte Cabarrus Arena. Uh, Ian, thank you so much, man. We thank really you. appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for having me. And if you're uh, if you're in the area the night before, stop by the Charlotte Knights game. I'll be uh, throwing out the first pitch, and I think I might be doing some pregame stuff with, right. with the, the guys in the booth. So. You know, uh, you turn on the dial to take a listen and then come out the next night and see some great ROH action. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Ian. We appreciate it, man. Oh, thank you.